Welcome to Playing With Fire, the podcast for people who are ready to custom build their love. We're talking about non-monogamy, however you design it, as an individuation opportunity. Want to leave the default and make your life spectacularly you? You're in the right place. We have a fantastic episode. We are not going to delay at all the joy and pleasure that you get from listening to this episode. Um, It was inspired by TikTok. (laughs) Inspired by TikTok. No, it was actually inspired. We've heard that here. Well, it was inspired by a TikTok, a very specific TikTok that I saw recognized that one of my most adored colleagues uh, had something I absolutely had to talk about. So I'm super, super excited to be introducing Sunny Megatron to this audience. If you haven't met Sunny before. What a conversation. Yeah. So let's get right to the intro so that you can all listen. Okay. Because we're going to talk about some kinky stuff, some yummy stuff, some psychology stuff. All good. Sunny Megatron is an award-winning clinical sexologist, a BDSM and certified sexuality educator, and a media personality. If you aren't following Sunny on TikTok, if you aren't um, paying attention on Instagram, you're going to want to. Absolutely hysterical, bite-sized pieces of education. She's the host and executive producer of the Showtime original series, Sex with Sunny Megatron, co-host the ASECT award-winning American Sex podcast and deeply open open deeply podcast oh my gosh she's got so much going on and she was 2021's xbiz sexpert of the year currently she's editor-in-chief of the kink focused zipper magazine she's known for her one-of-a-kind build-your-own-adventure approach to sex kink and relationships and sunny coined the bdsm community catchphrase kink is customizable tm I love that. Kink is customizable because it is. Um, She hosts sellout workshops. She is definitely in the edutainment. Edutainment. Yeah, Ah. she's an educator. She's an entertainer. She is right at that juxtaposition. So, so yummy. I absolutely recommend that you follow her everywhere very soon. And hold on to your seats because this is a great episode. We're going into the depths of why that kinky shit is so yummy and what you can do about it if you're attracted to stuff that is um, a little toxic for you, maybe not so good. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Hi, Sunny. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Hello. I am excited. I know we're going to have a good, juicy conversation, like brain juicy conversation, although who knows where it'll go. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it could get all kinds of juicy. You never know. Exactly. But exactly. the sapiosexuals out there, this might be one for you, right? Mm-hmm. This is, yeah, it might get a little brain juice on you. Yep. Now I have a whole thing about brain juice I want to tangent on, but let's start off. <laughs> Just write that down, like future scene ideas. Future scenes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I should always have that list going. You, I, Sonny, you have one of my favorite backgrounds of like, you just, you have such depth of knowledge. I would love if you just jumped us in to a, a little snapshot why do you talk about this? What brought you to this world? Just just drop us in wherever you would like in your life. Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of backstory. I'm a late in life kinkster and a late in life clinical sexologist. I was kind of your average person. I was not kinky. I had a good dose of sexual repression and not understanding anything about relationships. And, you know, I was making all the mistakes that we're 
like it, at least in this country or North American Western thinking we are socialized to make. Mm. Um, and I found myself always curious, always like I have these fantasies in the back of my head. I have these thoughts in the back of my head and they don't seem to jibe with like how everyone else is telling me the world works and relationships work and sexuality works. And like something's not computing here. Something's not matching up. So, you know, I found myself at the recession of 2008, my, my secure job that I'd had for almost 20 years was like, bye. And, uh, and also my relationship. Well, I, I was like, bye to my relationship and, uh, embarked on. Yeah, exactly. It was the best thing that could have ever happened and embarked on this journey to really figure out like, what is this thing that's been nagging at me? Um, both personally and professionally, you know, I professionally, I was a marketing person, but started out on my route in psychology and wanted to get into human sexuality. But in the nineties, there was no internet and it was weird and I dropped um, it. Yeah. So it, here I am. It really was weird. It mm-hmm. really was. I actually, I, I resonate with that a lot. I mean, I was, I, I, I'm one of those people like, oh yeah, always thought differently about this, but didn't go do like my PhD in all of this stuff until I was in my late thirties. Cause you know, plus there were like kids to raise and like things that I was doing. Yeah. We were distracted and now we're on point. Now we're doing And I hadn't put myself in any context where I would have noticed how very different my, yeah. What you said, my internal, um, not just fantasies, but thoughts and like how I thought things would work and how I worked versus how I, worked. I just never thought about that because right. nobody talked about it. Mm-hmm. And then you and I got together and then there was someone who did. Because <laughs> I say did. all the things. Um, yeah. And that was tremendously liberating. Oh, oh, I, even, I can even talk about the ways that I'm weird, not like you. It yes. was awesome. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it only and takes I, one person. I know you yeah. are that person for a lot of people. Oh, you know, yeah. Like, I think a lot of it is like we are socialized to quiet those like instinctual yeah. feelings like there's something here. There's something that doesn't make sense. This is, and we get, we're like, shh, 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 just go, go with the flow, do what everybody else does. And that's really not it. Right. Yeah. Right. Like that. It's not going to work out in the big picture. Ken was in his late 40s before I had really managed to pry up the the nails that were holding him in the yeah. the box he'd put himself mm-hmm. in because he's kinky as fuck but like how but do I was you... holding that shut on the inside too yeah, yeah. Was yeah. it like, wasn't oh, just nails just shut stay. from the outside well I think I think that's a lot of us and I think that a lot of us are kinkier and I'm doing finger quotes for those who can't see me than we think we are because I believe we have a big grand collective misunderstanding of what being kinky actually is yes so tell people in from your perspective what is being kinky okay so i'm gonna relate this to uh vanilla not even analogies but vanilla equivalents because we all live our quote vanilla lives where you know we operate within social norms so um as human beings we like to play with safe threats Mm. Um, in a safe container where we know at the end of the day we'll be fine, but we like to have that moment where there's a, uh uh-oh. So think about riding a roller coaster, 
going to um, a haunted house or a safe room. We love practical jokes. Think of the internet trends. I just saw one where there was a pe people lined up one in front of the other. They had a rubber band around their calf and a gazoo like fastened to their face. And so the person who's in front, the person behind them takes the rubber band on their calf and pulls it back and snaps it. And the idea is you're not supposed to laugh. And so these people are like, you know, and then when they left, the gazoo makes this noise. And so then, the you know, the first person snaps, the person at the beginning of the line goes to the back. And it's just like this conveyor belt of hilarity. And it's like there is extreme sensation, which is pain. There is embarrassment. There is that anticipation of the threat. Like, this is going to hurt. And I'm not going to follow the rules because I'm not going to be able to contain my laughter. And it's fun. It's play. Play. That headspace, like that snapshot that I just gave you, that all of those things satisfy are the same things we do in kink. But when it's an internet challenge, we're laughing our asses off. When it's when it's a, a haunted house and they take the pictures right at the jump scare, we laugh, right? And And even things like marathon runners who are really deep in their training, who are like, have these horrible blisters on their feet. They're stopping to violently puke at the side of the running trail. And they're like, but this is great. I'm training for a marathon. You're kinky, y'all. You're kinky. Yeah. We're we doing ran, the same things. We ran CrossFit yeah. gyms. So, uh -huh. so kinky. yeah, so kinky. There's, <laughs> yeah, nothing, it's just, there's nothing normal about ripping all the skin off of your hands. So you can do one more pull up. Right, nothing, right. That is not, yeah, except it is normal. And we're all it's, like, this is yes. what, yeah, we just all it's find all our the same in. thing. Yeah. We just in kink, we oftentimes, but not as much as people think, put sensuality, sex, eroticism, et cetera, into it. But again, I'm going to stress not as much as people think because kink yeah. isn't inherently about sex. Kink is just, or sex is just one of those elements we can choose to optionally make a part of our kink. Yeah. But we don't have to. That right. is so that's such a big thing. That's such it. a big thing. This is it. I, because and one of the reasons is okay, so it's it's not just a sex thing, but also, oh my God, look at the universe that just opened up of places to play. Yes, yes. And oftentimes for people, uh, you know, and I'm not talking about people who are asexual, although there are many people who are asexual who are kinky. Um, but even people who are allosexual that love to have sex, oftentimes their kink scenes don't really contain sexual elements. But another thing that playing with a partner like that does is it fosters that connection and that intimacy going to these risky new places together. And then once you're done, you are so close to that person and your intimacy and you want to just fuck. So oftentimes it's, it could be aftercare. It could be a few days later. It could be, um, so yeah, sex can be involved but sometimes not in the ways we think either. Yeah. I, I think that's so important to, to name because also, so a lot of our work and this podcast is about non-monogamy as a path of individuation, as one of the ways that people start to learn how to be fully expressed as themselves. And often when people are exploring non-monogamy, they're like, there's also this assumption that it's all about sex when it's not all about sex. A lot of times it's about relationships or it's about kink or it's about all sorts of community building. So again, the conflation, like 
at least in America, man, we just want to conflate anything we can conflate with sex because then we can pop it all into the shame bucket and we don't have to. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I often say like our system here, like structurally is fueled by shame. And I know this is like getting like really heady, but it's like, you know, we have a hierarchical system of exploitation capitalism you know that's there has to be the landlords and the business owners and then the workers and how do you keep the people who are like actually keeping things running like the essential workers yeah just like happy doing their jobs not thinking outside the box not going wait a minute this sucks right like why Uh, why how do we keep them from questioning them Anything that they find pleasurable that they can uh, use to tap into their authentic selves and realize like they can do anything. Well, you got to shame that out of them because that is, you know, your kryptonite as people at the top of the ladder. And I know it's like we suddenly went into like sociology and economics and but it's all connected. Sex isn't just about sex. It's about everything. Mm -hmm. 100% agree. And it's why it matters that we weave conversations about, about every single topic that we at least acknowledge that sex will touch all of them. And Mm -hmm. every topic will touch sex. We cannot set it aside as some special specific thing, which is, I mean, it is a huge part of why our field is so complicated. A lot of times people imagine that we all do everything, but in fact, most of us specialize because it touches literally every aspect of life. Sex touches everything. So of course we specialize, which is one reason I was so excited to have you join us so that people know where to turn when they're like, mm-hmm. okay, how do I take my kink exploration deeper? Where do I even go? How do I get the right information? Because it's there's a lot of information out there now. And that's great. Like, Oh, versus say even 20 years ago. It's yeah. Great. And it means there's a lot of filtering, a lot of sorting to do to make sure that you're getting accurate and yes. healthy information, which mm-hmm. may not be the case and non-shaming information, because just because someone's talking about kink doesn't mean that they're not also falling into the same traps of shaming. Right. It, right. They may not have unpacked their stuff or not realize it can be unconscious, but I see it we're, all the time. And we're like, all products of, of the same culture and even the people who are quote experts or, you know, whatever, um, which I take that with people call me an expert. I'm like, am I really, I'm just like guiding you to become your own expert. Like I I still have my own personal shit. I haven't figured out like every day. I don't know. It's good for SEO. Call me a sex expert. There there we go. Yeah. 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 But every day we have the opportunity to make sure that people are, are integrating their, the idea of what sex is, what they want out of their pleasure into all of these other questions, because Mm -hmm. I I don't think that sociology or capitalism is at all off topic. It all matters. And you did, you made a TikTok recently that just, it like, I was like, oh my God, must message Sunny instantly (laughs) (laughs) because I'm, it, I, and even just thinking about it, like all the hairs in the back of my neck are standing up because you are so on point for how I have viewed kink and how it makes, how it makes sense in the context. I am a Jungian psychologist, so hmm. I care about the unconscious a right. lot. Like that's where my jam is. And I have found that to be very fruitful to marry the, the aspect of my sexuality that is kinky and the part of me that's always digging into, okay, where can I bring my unconscious material forward? How can I do that? Like that's the individuation process. I bring it forward, bring it forward. 
And it's not like a lot of people I find don't want to dig into that because they think it's all work and it's all yes. a bummer and it's yes. all going to be about blaming your parents and it's all, like, and it's a bummer. And so your that particular TikTok where you talked about how kink could potentially be a way for people to enjoy some of their less healthy attractions, perversions, yes. delights. That one. Mm -hmm. I was like, yes. yes. So I actually, I made a note. I was like, what was, what did I exactly say? <laughs> and it was kink can serve as a healthy, intentional outlet for the toxic relationships and situations that we subconsciously romanticize. Uh, and there's a lot to unpack there. And, but I do want to say like what you, you were saying, like some people are like, Ooh, I am so into like digging into my psyche and finding out the why. Like this is a kink within itself. I love it. And other people are like, fuck this. This is not sexy. I don't want to think about be a psychologist. I just want to get my groove on. Yeah. And, you know, I tell people uh, that don't want to look at this stuff. You don't necessarily have to with a bunch of caveats. You know, first of all, some of this stuff we're doing, you know, sub we're working these things out subconsciously. And I equate it to a background systems download. Like, let's say you're playing World of Warcraft and a pop-up comes up and it says like, we're going to update your operating system. You know, we're updating Windows, but in the background, you can keep playing the game. You won't even notice won't even know that your saying. operating system has upgraded. Mm. And that that is kind of what, like we're playing and we might not even notice like, oh, we're getting to try on different facets of ourselves that we're afraid of or that we don't get to come out and play. And that's actually rubbing off on yeah. us in outside mm -hmm. of the bedroom or the dungeon yeah. or wherever. That's the archetypal work. That's exactly, it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, and for those folks, there are some things though, depending on what you're playing with that I really encourage people to analyze and pick apart. And if it's too uncomfortable to analyze and pick apart your own specific situation, you can still do it with theoreticals. Right. Why do people, you know, if, yeah. if you're just not there yet, or maybe there won't be a yet for you, that's just not your jam. Yep. Um, but talking about what's behind these things is yes. really important. Yeah. Oh, it so is. Okay. No, this is going to come up. Did you have something right then? No, you go ahead. But okay. I, I want to, I want to just say one of the places age play right? Like mm -hmm. you might never want to talk about your stuff and how you feel about the idea of playing with littles and daddies or littles and mom. like you might never, but like, Ooh, talking about it in the theoretical. Yes. Talk about, talk about a different angle on doing your parental wounding work, right? It's yes. a different angle. And for a lot of my clients, they, they realize they really do need to keep it in the theoretical because they, it skeeves them too much or they're really scared because it starts to feel like Whoa, we are going into mm -hmm. the taboo of the taboo of the taboo. Right. And so no, I do think that's a, just a wonderful tip to say, yeah, what the what if game, what what if or how are others as if get a little mm -hmm. psychological separation so that it doesn't feel so personal. Yep. That's well, that's that's good. That's a that's in contrast to what I was going to say, which is so yeah, we we can we come up with these scenes, we we lean into and play with and explore these these parts of ourselves that I'm like, I'm not sure what's going on there. I have a lot of attraction and repulsion. So let me get in there and find out what's going on. Right. So that's one way, and you can separate with the as if and distancing, but also um you can you can relive things. You can like do things different. Like, Hey, because mm -hmm. we, 
we had uh, the beginning of our relationship was a disaster of disaster. of um <laughs> oppression and um emotional disastrous financial abuse control and power yeah. problems and Sorry. and entitlement etc 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 and so there's all these memories of times when things didn't go well mm-hmm. yeah. and we have replayed those scenes yeah different Yes, we played them from where we are now with the knowledge, with the changes, with the things we wish we'd done. Wow, that's amazing. It's yeah. completely different from the as if because that's actually, oh, let's change this now. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. actually grab it and change it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. much. Those corrective experiences, like, corrective. oh, I yeah. went through this thing and maybe it, it didn't feel good. And in the end, it still didn't feel good. And it fucked me up. But this time I get to rewrite the end. Right, right. And, and I get to make it a positive, like, right. cool. Right. And we've, we've noticed, I mean, we've been able to do this with each other. Like he was in, in this particular scenario, he was in the abusive yeah. partner position. And mm-hmm. because he's done so much of his work since now we can actually do that together. So I'm literally getting to yes. redo it with the oppressor. And it is mind blowing Mm. because my parents weren't able to address their stuff. They weren't able to come to terms, right? There's all kinds of stuff in our life. We never get to, we never get to work out with the person. I'm not saying most people will even get a chance, but damn, if you do like, let me just say, thank you. Thank you for doing your work. And then for being willing to play in it, because it means he has to go back into that and hold the space and feel from his side. Yes. Both the tough. The juice like, and the I, light. Oh. I'm giving you a standing ovation. I'm standing in my mind because I have too many wires around my head. But <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously, that is some hard, st- like to face our own stuff. And especially the stuff we did when we're the ones who fucked up and we're the ones who yeah. hurt somebody. Yeah. That is really hard to do. But it's necessary. Like we've all hurt people, you know, yes, to different degrees. And but it's like you're not alone in that. And and people right. listening aren't like, oh, look at look at his story. Oh, it's your story too. Right. Yeah. Listeners, it's your story too. You know, we're, we're yeah. all the asshole in someone's mm-hmm. story. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and that so the 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 joy though of being able to, you said, you know, rewrite the ending. And for me, and I, I'm wondering what you think about this. Sometimes the rewrite is simply the aftercare. Like, yeah. so the, the pattern, like may, we may play Might out an entire scene thing. that is like, yep, it's just in line with all of this gnarly ass shit yes. that went down. But then afterwards, we might walk through actual like apology and care and and really deep, like, wow, oh, I see. And now I'm watching and I'm witnessing and look at what you did and look how strong you were. I mean, yes, it's it's mind blowing. And sometimes it's as simple as rewriting the ending. Actually, sometimes it's not right. that and it's just rewriting the ending. And I get to stand up and break that, break the shackle mm-hmm. of it and actually. Yeah. So it doesn't even matter which way you go. Yes. You use the word romanticize. The thing is, I I did. I didn't get like. Yeah force me into that position. I chose the position of being abused in this situation. I literally did. And we tell our story all over the place, literally chose that position. I put myself in a scenario where I was being abused and then Mm -hmm. I I was getting off on it in a, in a way that was not healthy, right? It just kept me locked in it. So now my choice is, okay, how do I play with this story in a way that is healthy because I clearly 
do. I love that you use the word romanticize. Right. It's 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 (laughs) the strange attraction. And I've been there. Like I look back at my life, like, oh, that's how I ended up in that abuse. And I, I, I want to reiterate to listeners. This is not to say, this is not to victim blame and be like, oh, you you know, you chose your abuse to make your bed and lie in it. No, 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 no. You know, we like to think again, society conditions us to think in like the black and white binaries. You're either, you're either the victim or the, you know, no, it's, it's a very nuanced, blurry gray area. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody is who is abused is to blame for their abuse. You know, no, no. Um, but, and, I, and, but there's this part of me that did romanticize yes, it. Yes. And that, and that helped me stay in it longer. And when I say stay in it, I mean, literally just not say, Hey, this is going on and right. this isn't good for me. I have a boundary. I have a boundary, right? Mm-hmm. Because because if I had named the boundary, would I still have been able to get off on it? I That was scary for me. When I yes. started to realize that I had the boundary, I was afraid of unkinking the hose because it yes. was juicy. And that was, that was a pun, unkinking. Because, yes. you know, we, a lot, of, and we, the generic we, it was me, it was you, it's a lot of us will be attracted to these very unhealthy, toxic situations not knowing why, not knowing that, you know, and maybe we're somehow subconsciously working out our own shit. And I know that sounds really like, oh, no, psychology, but really, you know, but we are. Um, <laughs> but in kink, you know, I talk about uh, the the consent and the intention behind the act. And I often say and, and one of the big misunderstandings about kink that's out there is that it is 100% real you in the now that's all it is and yeah. i encourage people to think about like kink dimensions like we're getting kind of matrixy right now mm-hmm. and when you are in uh let's say a, we're talking about a kink scene right um there is the you the autonomous you that before you're seen, you're the one who's negotiating, who's saying, these are my limits. These are my desires. These are, you know, you are being completely upfront. You're not like, I'm the baby girl and I'm not supposed to look master in the eye and say, and no, I, you and are I can't you. even have a desire. Yeah. You're exactly, you're, you have agency, you're right. negotiating. That's what makes it consent. You're right. following hopefully some consent model. Choose exactly. Consent model. And that consensual uh, power dynamic dynamic that we're playing with that is going to be unequal is not present at that time when you are you your autonomous you. Yeah. And then when you get into the scene, you step into the play you who does embrace that power imbalance, who does embrace some of that really fucked up toxic behaviors or, or whatever. Um, but the thing is, oftentimes when we go to that play self, we're like, that's me. I'm all in it. No, your autonomous self that's still like watching out for you, whether, you know, you can think of this in psychological terms, like you're reparenting yourself, you're whatever it is, right? <laughs> is in the back seat. So now your play self is in the front seat, driving the car, like, right. like really get like, I'm, be- oh, everything's unequal. And oh, I'm being, this is abusive, but it's hot. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and you're playing with this safe threat. Yeah, but autonomous you is in the backseat watching everything. They're the backseat driver, and if they're like, oh, 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 boundary, this right. is actually going into real fucked up territory or harming me somehow. Right. Autonomous you is like, let me take the wheel. Yeah. So knowing that difference between fantasy and reality, and like 
fantasy you, play you, and autonomous you is the key to everything. So when I say like, you know, in kink, if we're doing kink, you know, well, you know, according to the, there aren't really rules, but uh, intentionally and in good faith with, you know, not abusive or manipulative, et cetera, um, that we are intentionally playing with these unhealthy things, but we know this only exists here in this predetermined moment. And when we step out of it, this stuff is fucked up. And it cannot bleed into our real lives. And I, it took me till my mid thirties to realize I was playing out some of that stuff in my real day to day relationships. That's it. And I see that literally every single day. Yeah. Literally every day. So people come to me and often are are seeking um, a level of, of self-awareness that they would like to have. And oftentimes it has to do with really obvious stuff that they're like, I, something, something's off or I want something new. But underneath all of that, I have never met. I have never met a person who wasn't playing out some unconscious dynamics because in truth, we're never going to, the unconscious is behind us. It is, we're never going to have pulled all of it forward because we just keep having more. It's, it would be like exploring to the bottom of the ocean floor. Mm -hmm. It's good news and bad news though, because that thing I was afraid of happening, the unkinking the hose, I was afraid like, well, what if I, what if I address this problem in my relationship and it's not kinky and fun anymore? Oh no, don't worry, honey. Like there's more problems. You will keep making more stuff. So like there's more juice and there's this, like, there's this joy of knowing that my autonomous self can know it. And at the same time, I can be playing with it. So that yes. to me, that's the individuation move is when I bring that material that was in my unconscious or maybe had started to come into the subconscious layers where I'm sort of aware. And I, instead of living it out in my life, I live it out in a container while also being really aware that the boundedness of that container is what lets me explore it more deeply. I can go both more deep and also more safe. Like, yes, at the same time. Yes. That brings up a question for me. So we're talking about the container, about this play that's Mm -hmm. not in real life and about how hard this can be. So, Mm -hmm. um, Sonny, what are, what are some of the, um, the red flags that you'd like people to be aware of when they're, when they're entering into these kinds of scenes? Yes. Um, you know, some of the red flags are, and it's hard, you know, because there could be red flags that exist, but we turn off our internal like compass or alarm bells. And we're like, this isn't a red flag. This is hot. This is hot. Right. Um, so if a partner, you know, isn't listening to you, respecting your boundaries. And I know these things seem so obvious. Like, it's like, of course, but it's like, it's, it's book knowledge. It's like, of course we can all say, well, duh, of course, but when you're in it, it's right. like, how do I know if you're respecting my boundaries or disrespecting my boundaries right now because this is the play? And yeah. where does it seep into like, no, my boundaries are really being crossed right now. That line is really blurry. So I encourage folks, like there are just a few basic sort of principles that I encourage folks to just be aware of. That's it. 
that can help them see like, oh, here's where that blurry line is. Like an internal checklist. Exactly. So yeah. So, you know, one thing I say about kink, especially when we're doing this power play and not all kink is power play, but a good majority of it is um, that we are perverting social norms and hierarchies for our pleasure. So if you look about like, there's a lot of cishet submissive women and a lot of dominant daddy cishet men and you know even though it's like oh sexism and oh it gets tired and oh maybe people are just choosing those roles because that's all they think that's available to them and that could be totally valid but there's also a reason we're playing with this there's also a reason why that like feminist like go get her take no shit cishet woman in the bedroom is like, yes, daddy, I'm so sorry. I burnt your dinner. <laughs> right. And it's like, it doesn't mean that she's giving up all of her values and everything. There is a reason she's playing with that. So it's like, we are perverting the social norms and hierarchies that have conditioned us that have maybe traumatized us that have confused us, whatever us. And we're playing with those. And sometimes we choose to lean way into them. And sometimes we choose to like go completely the opposite and there's no right or wrong. So one, know that. Two, know the difference between different types of power. Mm. So we are conditioned to think that power is a finite resource, right? Like in polyamory, you know, they say like, oh, when you're, when you're monogamous, you think love is a finite resource. Like my partner has a bucket of love for me. And if they have another partner, it's going to take from my bucket of love. No, it's infinite. Like someone who has 15 kids loves all 15 kids. It's not like we get seven of them. Hey, we get seven of them. We love them all. Yeah. So it's the same thing. The annoying ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing with power. And, you know, we are conditioned to see power as this authoritarian power, power over. Mm. If uh, in order for me to have power, think of a boss, right? Like a toxic boss. In order for me to have control over this department, I need to like make y'all scared. I need to maybe, you know, put some consequences. I need to be unfair because if you start maybe pointing out to me some mistakes that are happening in management and and in a very like, you know, non-threatening sort of way, mm-hmm. oh my God, you have power and that's taking away from me. So now I have to exert my authority even more. Because um, imagining that it's a finite, it's a zero sum game. Exactly. And power doesn't work that way, but we are taught that that is the only way to have power is to have all control and to disempower others. And we play with that type of power a lot in kink. However, there's also that, that power with like, I can empower you. I can maybe put, maybe I do take control, but I'm empowering you and you like, again, work, right? I'm the the manager again. I'm, instead of being a hover boss and being in control of everything and just uh, making your lives miserable, I'm going to teach you maybe some of the decision-making factors that I use as a manager. So then you can learn to make those, you know, judgment calls just like I would. And I'm not threatened because now you think like a manager and maybe you'll take my job. Uh, you are empowered to do your job better. I am empowered because like my team is kicking ass. I don't have to waste my time chasing after people. We're, we're getting the work done. We're a team. So we have both gained power in different ways. 
Yeah. And we are not conditioned to see power that way. And what we do in kink is we often are drawn to that authoritarian power. And again, for maybe many, many like psychological reasons, but that is in the real world, oftentimes very toxic and, yeah. and not, you know, so to know that difference in power, like I'm playing with this unfair, unbalanced, you know, tug of war power control thing in my scenes. But when that really starts seeping out into real life, that is a red flag. Yeah. 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 And if you don't, if you can name it in your scene, that might be the first time for mm-hmm. me, yeah. that was the first time I recognized for real how I was viewing power as a zero sum game. I yeah. was, oh, um, I, yeah, I, I, I need to be able to name where my life is looking kind of like our sexual play. Uh-oh. Okay. That's probably not good, but it was, it, the power was in being able to name it. Like I yes. started to empower myself by, by calling it out and, and sharing how this, how, how the, the two started to feel the same, how the right. games we were playing. Oh, like, you know, this is familiar. Are going. Yeah. And that was actually the first untangling of, oh, we've been locked in abusive cycles because it's not like, so I did not. I did not feel him hurting me. It was just that we were we were co-creating an experience where he was holding way more power than I was. And once I started naming it, now we could start mutually yeah. negotiating yes. the power. And the beginnings of those negotiations, which were um, minimal and incompetent, at least from my point of view, we started talking about what we were doing. And that was the first time I noticed, wait, you just, do stuff because I tell you to do it or because like you respond to the things that I yeah. do and and then I get what I hang on I am exerting power he didn't even, I didn't realize. even know that I was I was just yeah. bumbling around like an entitled this guy and and that's why I say I I co-created it I definitely did because I was I was playing out an unconscious pattern that said well maybe if he if he takes care of me and maybe if I just keep submitting the, these things, right. And, and I'll be taken care of and may, and I know now, so many years of analysis later that I had been trying to heal my father wound by finding partners and damn doing that unconsciously just really right. does not work, yeah, without, but doing it consciously. Ooh, that's different. Oh, I've grown up oh, a lot this decade. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're right on the money with like naming it. So when you ask me like, what are red flags I, sh- I should look for? It's like, I don't know if I'm, you know, rather than th- than giving folks fish, teaching them how to fish for the red flags, but it's like naming these things, just going, oh my goodness, there are two different types of, I didn't even real. most people are like, whoa, mind blown. There, yeah. I just thought power was one thing. Just having that knowledge enables you to spot your own red flags. And yeah, there's going to be definitely commonalities on red flags, but sometimes the flavors of those red flags are really specific to your situation. Right. Um, so, you know, knowing these things and doing even just a few steps with a little bit of intention is like, <gasps> and then it's like, also we, you know, one, we are conditioned to view power that way, especially people who are socialized as men. Like y- your power is authority. I'm daddy. I'm going to put my foot down because I said yeah. so. Daddy's home. Oh, right. Like this to us is normal. 
Um, and so it it's really hard for people who are socialized as men to be like, whoa, right. This isn't my value isn't in how authoritarian I can be. And and the fact that it's so socialized, like like you said, Ken, you don't even realize it's just like I'm just being normal. Like what? Right. I'm not doing anything, I'm not exerting right. po- what? what? Like I would never a power would, no, it doesn't right. feel and it doesn't feel like that. Cause if you've always right. had it too, then it won't feel like that. I still remember those conversations with you early on. I'm like, what? No, what? Yeah. No, right. I just not, I'm not doing that. No, you don't have to do it. You just are it. Right. <laughs> Maybe don't, but, right. but yeah. having the conversations was so important. And we started, so we started also playing with flipping the script to get a better angle on it. So yes. he spent, he spent over a year in submission to me on purpose because like we because we wanted to find out what happens if we flip this dynamic in our in our kink dynamic fully like 24/7 yep, what see. happens if we flip it and that was so enlightening um because mm-hmm. we hadn't we hadn't really brought a lot of the the we hadn't brought a lot of consciousness to where where he didn't want to even be enacting this the being in that role of dominant like no wonder he didn't think he was carrying it. He didn't want it. I know he was I got exhausted. A lot of stuff I didn't want. Yeah. Too. Like okay. So so you you'd be like okay here. Okay. Thanks. I don't. I don't want. I, don't want I didn't this. want that from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really and interesting. It's not. So I don't think it's just one thing. It's not when you're trying to unpack the the unconscious material. It's going to be unique to you and that particular partner right. or set yep. of partners. Absolutely. And we've been doing it now for consciously. We've been working on this for 11 years of the 15 we've been together mm-hmm. and yeah. damn it just like we just keep finding new angles to work it so it it is also just so rich there's yeah. there's right. so much to work with just one partner let alone with the way right. that then infiltrates the whole rest of my kinky life right like mm-hmm. now because now i notice i enter into relationships with new partners now from such a different place my my ability to negotiate for whatever role I want to play is so much more refined because I'm not just unconsciously playing romanticizing. Mm-hmm. I now, if I know I'm romanticizing something, now I have the opportunity to negotiate for it, which I'm guessing you found this too, makes for a lot better scene. Like it's oh just, yes. It's just better. It's just Clarity. better. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Like that intention is everything. And you know, and I I had started out saying like, you don't need to know why you're doing this. You don't need to psychoanalyze. But I also, you know, because nothing is black and white, everything's murky and mushy and all, you know, a tangled web. I do encourage folks, um, the more uh privilege that you have, the more power, you know, like traditional out of the bedroom power that you have, um, or, you know, you're, you're higher on that social hierarchy than your partner, the more work and the more work actually thinking about your specific place in all of this and like the, you know, the whole ball of power you really need to do because, you know, we can see, for instance, two cishet male doms, and I'm not trying to demonize cishet male doms, but it's like, I'm looking at the extremes, you know, or the places where we tend to see more, you know, abuse can happen pretty exactly, easy. Exactly. Exactly. And like abuse isn't always 
on purpose. Like you, Ken, you said like, I don't even realize I'm doing it. I just thought I was just being a human and like, I had no idea. And yeah, sometimes people purposely will manipulate. And, and sometimes it's like, I, internally, I am acting in good faith. I am, I have the best intentions. I don't even know how much I'm fucking you up right now. Right. Um. So like, you know, that, that blame game and having grace for your partner is tricky because like, we don't want to have grace for people who are purposely like, you know, abusing us, but we also want to want to not like put the blame game on people that are like, I realize I have shit. I am trying my best. And this was just a legit blind spot, you know? So that's hard to balance. Um, but okay. So we have two cis male het, you know, doms, and they're both daddy and, you know, like, I'm going to put my foot down and they look the same from the outside and they feel the same oftentimes when we're playing those roles. Right. So we can't discern just from paper. You're not going to see exactly, exactly. But let's say these two identical doms, one is like, all right, I'm trying to own my shit. I, I recognize I'm, I'm using authoritarian power in my uh, kink for, you know, for whatever reasons. Um, and maybe let's just say these cishet male doms, they have a, you know, female, uh, uh, like a woman of color who was like to really, you know, highlight that um, inequity and in social power. Yeah. So, um, you know, to, to say like, how are some of the things that I'm doing, whether it's in a scene or maybe subconsciously outside of a scene, damaging my partner in ways I don't know and harming my partner in ways I don't know. And that's really important. The more that power disparity exists. And then we can have another cisset male dom that behaves the same. And they're like, yeah, I'm daddy because like, I I feel like a man and that, you know, I should, I feel powerful. And it's just natural. It's just, it's just natural. I'm a natural dominant. Yeah. That could, yeah, that is my eyes almost roll right back in my head. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and but when we're taught about kink from, you know, social media, all these, we're not taught the differences between those things. Right. We and and it looks on the surface like the I'm a natural dominant. Do what I say. Everybody's my little girl, my submissive is normal and healthy kink and what we should be doing. And then we romanticize that. Right. Right. Now yeah. we've like it's like a layer cake of nightmare just mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah layer cake of nightmare i love that Yum. um so it's hard you know and it's all of this is a lot of self-work and we like to feel like we're done like mm-hmm. I, I know myself i'm i'm a fit we're never done never no. ever, ever ever and you said you said you know you don't have to know why and i, I i'd like to just highlight something because we you know, when I was, when I was doing my doctoral research, I was torn. I was between whether I was going to research jealousy and polyamory, which is what I chose, wound up choosing, or whether I was going to do the imagination of kink, the archetypal imagination of kink. And mm-hmm. when I looked for a chair, I found so many people to chair my committee who were like, well, when people are playing this stuff out, you know, they're an insert, whatever bullshit assumptions that they've got because they haven't unpacked their own stuff. And so I think there is some challenge to figuring out the why, because a lot of us turn to our helpers, our counselors, our therapists, our coaches, and if they are not, not just trained or friendly to kink, but if they haven't unpacked their own shit, 
then it is quite likely that they're going to to miss the point that we're trying to unpack our stuff. We're trying to take responsibility for how I show up in the world, the whole world by right. using what I'm doing in, in my kinky, yummy juiciness as a, a place, a way, a, a mirror, uh, an, an environment to look at myself within. It's such a profoundly advantageous view into you. Yes. What you do in that kink scene it is part of you. It's a little bit like analyzing a dream. So I would say yes. you absolutely can analyze it. What if you treated it just like you treat a dream? And from a Jungian um, analysis perspective, I would treat every figure in that dream as a part of me. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. If I look at this scene and every part of this is a part of me, now I know more of myself. I have more access to me. And damn, that is, that is some hot yeah. analysis. It's fun. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it makes that heavy shadowy work that we tend to not want to do feel more fun and pleasurable. Yes. And if you happen to, to have access to somebody who can also walk with you down that path, if you are, if you can walk with a sexologist who can hold your hand and be like, yup, this can be both normal and you might have some stuff to deal yeah. with. Yeah. It, what if it's yeah. both of those? Yes. And I'll, I'll tell you a secret. I'm kind of like, I'm going to show you what's behind the curtain of like the kink magician. <laughs> um, because yeah, I, I say you don't have to, you don't have to know you can deal in the theoreticals and that's really for the folks that like, aren't there yet right now. And, and for the folks that are like, this You're still listening. the thought, the <laughs> thought of like digging into my own psyche is so terrifying. It's just shut it all down. I don't even want to no, no kink for me. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. That's for those folks. What I'm not really saying is that for most of those folks, as you start baby stepping into this with the theoreticals and with the, it is going to um disarm that terrifying like my own psyche it's not gonna feel so scary so maybe you know even though I say you don't have to know it's really you don't have to know to start but guess what you're gonna get to the point I, I it may be next month it may be five years from now maybe 10 years from now I don't know you're gonna get to the point where it's like oh oh now I'm starting to think about myself. This isn't so scary. I get it. Yeah. So yeah, was that a little bit of like a trick uh, direction. You know, statement? Yeah, but it's but like, if that friendly. gets you to put your foot in the pool, to yeah, just dip right. a toe in the pool, you get to choose when you are ready for that. And yeah. maybe, maybe it's like, it's not so much that you aren't ready for that. You might be with a partner where yeah. it's not right. healthy. Yep. To be that vulnerable. Yeah. You yeah. know, so it's not just like, oh, you're scared. I don't want to imply that. It could be like, it is not the right no, time for whatever might, reason. Yeah, I mean, okay. You yeah. could just be in a, in like contextually, if you have other, if, if you have housing insecurity, food insecurity, if you are struggling with um, grief, now might not be the moment. Maybe exactly. just, maybe just enjoy your, your pleasure where yeah. you're getting it and, mm -hmm. and have fun. And then there are other phases of life where, yeah, this is exactly the work. And I, I just find it to be such a, it, it's such a rich Avenue. And I, it just, it, it reframes the whole concept of what psychological work is because it does not have to be just a bunch of sitting around talking about 
the worst things we've ever remembered. Right. In fact, it right. can it can include these delicious conversations. Some of my most productive sessions with people are about exactly this. An alignment's right. been running through all of this for me that I've been hearing all of us say is it's not psychological work. It's psychological mm-hmm. play. Yes. yes. We get in yes. there and we play and it's fun and it's exciting, which means there's risk to it that sometimes it's not so much fun, but we're right up there and we're having a blast and we get to also develop psychologically if we want right. to. It's amazing. Right. right. It's so and similar it- to like if you're into improv or like tabletop role-playing games, you play Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Uh, it's real. It's it very, very similar. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And if you, I, the thing I wanted to mention is if, if you're working with someone um, on other aspects of your personal growth mm-hmm. and they aren't equipped to go to this area, that's okay. Maybe this, maybe you're going to have to find the right person to do this work with. I often have people come to me and they, they need somebody who can go further than their current therapist or their current coach or whatever can go because they've, they, they're doing good work. Mm -hmm. And this area just isn't, isn't healthy for them to go to because instead what they're getting is demonized, shamed. They're actually getting more baggage placed on them. And I think it's important that we name this professionally and say, we don't all have to be good at everything. If you are not for your kinky folks, cool. Mm -hmm. Refer them out for that. Just refer them out for that. You can keep working with them Mm -hmm. for all sorts of other stuff. Uh, And, and, and also add this piece in um, just the way you might add in a sexual surrogate for somebody who's struggling with a certain area of their sexuality, right? This is, we need and to I, lean into each other professionally. I I encourage those professionals that you're referring to to double back and think about power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. We're all on the same team together because you're referring out to somebody else that may have more specialized knowledge in a certain area you don't. Yeah. Does it make you weaker, less powerful, less professional, less, yeah. right? you know, it is, we are all empowering each other. The whole point is for us all to get along and, and be happy and, and play and enjoy the very short lives that we have here on this earth. Yeah. And it's like, so we're all on the same team trying to do that. And if you're like, well, I don't want to refer people out. Cause then they might think, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. check your power, play yeah. with that in a scene a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. Do that. Maybe, maybe yes. exercise that a little bit. Hell yeah. 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 Hell yeah. I absolutely hate to do this. Oh yeah. But we do, but we do, we have to call it. So I'm going to have to stop somewhere. Sunny, tell everybody they need to follow you everywhere. Tell them where to find you, follow you, what you're working on right now. Yeah, it's it's really super easy. I am at tag Sunny Megatron, S-U-N-N-Y Megatron everywhere. Uh, SunnyMegatron.com. You can listen to me on American Sex Podcast. Also, Open Deeply Podcast that I co-host with. Um, sex positive psychotherapist, Kate Lurie. Who we've had on as well. Yes, yes. I teach classes. Like I don't have a a set class schedule, but if you follow me on social media, I make announcements when I do. I also do coaching as well. So if this is some of the stuff that you're working on or you're a a care provider, you're a therapist and you're like, wow, this isn't my area and I've checked my power, um, you know, here I am. Send me an email, look me up on social media, send me a DM, et cetera. Um, and I will be, I am doing an international move soon. I'm very excited. So my next few months, I'm not sure how they're going to look as I make this huge transition. Um, but, uh, I'll, I'll still be around on social media. Come visit me. 
Yeah. I love it. I love it. And yeah, an international move is no joke. <gasps> Wishing you all the best yeah. in that. And yeah. God, thank you so much. I hope that we can continue this conversation because honestly, I feel like I could talk to you for a thousand years about mm -hmm. this. Yep. Yeah. So juicy. Thank you so much for helping us dive into something that I know our listeners really care about. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. Yes. yes. And and thank you, one, for having me. And two, for being so transparent about your own journey and modeling that for people. Because like, it's just name it. Like you said, it's naming it and just seeing like someone else's what that's naming it for people. So thank you for that. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Feeling seen over here. This so appreciating great. it. Hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks. Likewise. Thank you. There's no one right way to design your relationship. And lots of people, actually about 25%, according to a recent national survey, are interested in some type of open relationship. But how do you know if you are ready to open up happily? Not everyone is, and that's no problem. I've got a 60-second quiz that will give you the answer. And even better, you'll walk away with your next step, whether you're good to go or not so much when it comes to opening up. And this is no BuzzFeed nonsense. I personally designed this quiz from my years of academic research. Go to joliquiz.com. That's J-O-L-I-Q-U-I-Z.com and find out if you're ready to open up happily and what to do if you are or if you're not.